because what is a juggalo, I don't know. The Scotch on the Rocks plays any Scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, single malt, Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps, maybe a Glengowan, any Glen. Where you going, Ed? I'm thirsty. It's beautiful to hear you be home by now. Come to the clown, Ed. You'll float down there. We'll float down there. Got a lamp on in the corner of the room, but I prefer it. Get me in the mood to talk about it. Hmm. All right, I think we should start there. Nasty Hellcat getting in the mood to watch it, like setting the scene. Uh, Jared, did you see this when it came out last year? Yeah, me and Josh actually went and watched it. Josh got you to go to see a uh, pervy clown movie. I'm shocked (laughs) that you would go with him. uh, From the uh, source, yeah, I could uh, tell that this was definitely high on his list. Now, I remember watching the original with Josh... Jared, maybe you did as well. I, I remember you introducing it to me, the uh, miniseries at like mm-hmm. a childhood sleepover, which is a pretty like cool way to watch something like that mm-hmm. about kids being terrorized. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember if we all fell asleep or got bored by the time I got to the adult version, but I don't think that my opinions changed. Uh, <laughs> having rewatched it, it was like, just leave it with the kids. So that's where this, this version is. This first half uh, starts out. So... Um, this is our forgotten film for this week. Nobody saw it. It's not a success at all. And so we're going to have to explain to people. film. Yeah. So, uh, Josh, why don't you explain to people, I mean, what is this movie about? Tell them, because I'm sure they've not heard of it. Well, it's kind of hard to explain since it's so uh, so out there and undiscovered, but I'll do, I'll do my best. But. No, everybody knows. Everybody knows what it is, but it's based on a beloved novel by Stephen King, and uh, as you mentioned, it, it's somewhat of a remake from the TV miniseries that came out. Probably I think it was ninety, eighty-nine, or ninety. Yeah, I was going to say it's been over twenty-seven 20. years. Oh, they did, didn't they? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, and, and that that miniseries itself has been. Uh, I would I'd say it's beloved warts and all. Uh, Tim Curry as Pennywise, I think is I think yeah. he's it's pretty iconic as at least just the imagery of him as the clown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so there was a lot of concern when this one was coming out because Stephen King properties tend not to be treated the best. Uh, the best I would even suggest, which is The Shining, one would say I is uh, say The Dark Tower. Oh, zing. <laughs> Which came out about a month before it, and I guess it's yeah. like the opposite effect of like... Right. How to what it. I was going to say is that even with The Shining, it was uh, not a very truthful portrayal of the novel. Stephen King himself had major problems with that. But uh, it's very hit and miss with adaptations of Stephen King's work. So a lot of nervousness coming in for people who love this property. And uh, <clears throat> I would say... Uh, I guess I'm not accurately describing it. I'm just kind of giving my opinion right now, but I would say it was mostly a home run. I think it was treated, at least with the, the trailers and the build up to it, um, 
with a lot of reverence. Like even if you hadn't mm-hmm. seen the, the miniseries or uh, had not read the book, I think, like I mentioned with Tim Curry, I, I think the the sort of it property of like a scary clown terrorizing children, even if you don't know the plot points, uh, it seemed to get people excited, like to like oh mm-hmm. let's re- revisit it, even if we've not seen it before. Like it's just something stuck in there. Uh, the public consciousness, but um, I mean, other than uh, a clown uh, terrorizing these children in this town, that that's really all you need to know, I guess. I mean, it's not like it's extremely plot driven. Like, there's not a huge murder mystery involved here. The rules aren't really hard and fast, you know. Like, it's not just a clown. It it can take upon it can manifest itself in many different ways. Like Jerry and the nasty yeah. Hellcat. Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't know. Cosmic slash metaphysical type uh, beings that it's it comes off. It can it can come off really hokey. And in the miniseries, when the adult versions did get to the uh, uh, whatever spider version they tried to create visually, uh, that was that was really rough. Um, somebody who that's... hasn't. That's probably my, one of my few uh, nitpicks with this one is when it first starts out. Uh, There's so many like scary movie money shots before you've even got settled in. Like it's like mm-hmm. I, obviously they're trying to compress with with Stephen King novel. There's a lot of material, but yeah. uh, even watching it again this time, uh, I didn't really care for like you jump from one kid to the next just seeing something really over the top creepy. Like, mm-hmm. uh, my favorite part of the movie is actually when they're just sort of hanging out before something bad happens. Like, it's like you get like that lull that sort of like, you know, this is like a stand by me. And then it's like, oh, we're going to have a perverted father, like who may or may not molest his daughter or yeah. a creepy mo- overprotective mother who seems sinister herself. Even, even like the library sequence where you have that weird old lady just standing in the background, that's one of the that scene jacks me up every time I see it. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a weird thing uh, to say, Josh. Like, well, I imagine you <laughs> the Rock and Fast and Furious. <laughs> <Old lady. laughs> you seen a creepy old lady uh, in the library? Okay, so maybe that was the wrong verbiage. Um, <laughs> my version, my version of jack me up is like it messes me up. Okay, okay. Uh, it, it it really uh, it's effectively creepy. Um, it, more so because I didn't know the very first time I watched it. The first yeah, time I watched it. I also it, don't I, want to take I, credit for that. I did not. Someone, I think, screenshot it and put it on Twitter. And I was like, oh, God. Like that. So I this time around, it. this this I time I pointed out. and uh, I didn't even see a screenshot or nothing. So I just waited till the second time I watched it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I don't like that at all. Uh, got jacked so up. So that it jacked <laughs> me up. And there's a similar scene in the alleyway where the kids are being uh, bullied. And there's like some artwork, uh, I can I can advertisement on a brick wall, and it's normal for like ninety percent of the scene, and then it does another cut away and cuts back, and then all of a sudden there's a drawing of Pennywise within it, like watching the kids and just stuff like that. That's that's flourishes I'm going to assume by the director that knows how to like get under your skin in a way that he doesn't have to. I mean that's not like literally from the book or anything. He's just He's kind of giving you the impression of how its presence is always uh, lurking in the background, you know, over these kids and kind of haunting them. But going back to what you said about their uh, those group moments. Yeah, I would say one of the most effective scenes is like when they're in the garage hanging out, trying to figure out what's going on. And then there's kind of the the it money shot there where he 
kind of starts cr- <laughs> emerging from like the slideshow they're watching well, and stuff. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's the first time all of them as a group witness it together. Not something that yeah. maybe they're convinced that it's just them, that they're crazy right. or they're seeing something. Yeah. Um, Jared, I always uh, throw this question out to you. So anyone who's a regular listener uh, is probably expecting it as you are being more of a horror guy than me and Josh. Uh, what did you make of this version of it as just as a scary movie? Well, and also as your opinion of a, as a juggalo. Also very that's, scary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, one A, that's uh, fake news. <laughs> because what is a juggalo? I don't know. Okay. Um, There's our the... top of the show bumper right there. I've got the music <laughs> that's going to end this episode already in my mind. And my uh, YouTube algorithm is going to be really messed up when I start trying to find <laughs> some ICP songs. But yes, Jared, as a scary movie and as a juggalo, how did this treat clowns on film? I, I liked it. You know, it's like you were saying, there's not really a convoluted uh, plot or kind of like a get you moment with this type of, uh, well, this particular horror movie. It's not like it has some sort of familial ties to one of them in the group or some sort of, you know, shock moment. Like it's just, you know, facing your fears and, you know, if you have the courage enough to, you know, face those fears, um, everything in between I thought was done really well. Like, with the kids, I feel like you've got a little bit more room for error, but with the clown, you have to like really like that's the one, of course, you know, that's the big main villain of the movie. And Tim Curry did a really excellent job with it ages ago, but I think, uh, I think Skarsgård uh, lived up to it. He did. Tim has such that, that like deep, booming voice. Skarsgård has this like almost kind of childish, like, like the kids, like kind of like there's something. It's different, but it's just as creepy. Yeah, his first appearance in the sewer, he, he almost sounds like a child actor at first. Yeah. If you didn't know who was was playing it, and I, I would say that's my second nitpick. It's not his performance, but I, I found his version so interesting that uh, there were times in the movie I wanted them to to uh, you know close down a little bit on uh, dampen the the CGI, the reliance on making it this this shape changing presence because mm-hmm. uh, I kind of would be interested in him bill skarsgård just doing like a tim curry like just a straight guy in clown makeup mm-hmm. standing there because i felt like when he's just sitting there talking to them my favorite i guess uh you know vision is when uh, the the child who has been convinced that he's you know the sickly one that he's very much a germaphobe uh is being chased by a, a leper that's his vision and mm. it's the first time i guess you make the connection between where it lives like sort of the big haunted house in the town and he's just standing there and there's no no effects as far as like you know he you know he looks like a child or he looks like a spider he, it's just him staying there with the balloons and of course that's right. all over the trailers and the poster and mm-hmm. just him staying there still talking uh it did kind of make me want like and i hope for the the second half of this that it, there's going to be more of him just and clown makeup just acting because yeah. he i thought he was excellent in this and they were probably they probably did it for reasons of being restricted you know in the miniseries but uh tim curry just leaned into the clown role aspect of it like i mean there were actually laugh out loud moments because he was full-on doing <laughs> the clown routine uh i think there was that one scene in the library with uh was it was it john ritter's character i can't remember uh 
<laughs> he's like on the banister in the back. Uh, Pennywise is, and he's got one of those like noisemakers. He's sitting there cranking and like <laughs> riding like a banister, like a horsey, like making like like noises. This is why I head. questioned Jared for going to see this movie with you, because <laughs> it's like that's your go-to it moment. Is well, it's <laughs> poor deceased John Ritter being, <laughs> you know, <laughs> having his own Me Too moment with, <laughs> with Tim Curry the clown. <laughs> Right? Yes. Last chance, Tasha. Get out before it gets dark tonight. You're too old to stop me. You're all too old. Mike Hamlin, if you see. Excuse me, sir. Do you have Prince Albert in a can? You do. Well, you better let the poor guy out. Mike Hamlin. Did I have to go? Did I have to get cleaned up? Alex. Tell him. Tell him. Uh, well, I mean, it's effective for both tonight. reasons. I mean, because it, it's You're funny. Right it is. <laughs> if you're talking about terrifying, then yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's terrifying because of the fact that it's disturbing that he's just taking on this clown role out, out of nowhere. And uh, just getting back to Jared's point of how Skarsgård took it differently, I didn't feel like he full-on embraced the clown role. I, I agree with you all that there's like a – he, he – there's a fake uh, naivety there that he's portraying, you know, and more very childlike and just trying to be very deceiving. But he, he, he did a good job veering away of not trying to be Tim Curry, Tim Curry, which probably would have been offensive. Yeah, to, I think you could, lot. you could probably watch both versions and come away with uh, saying, like, I liked both of those for you know, different mm-hmm. reasons. I know. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I like, I like both of them. Um, but yeah, this one, uh, we didn't, you know, we were just being smart asses at the top of the show, but Jared, I don't know if you have the box office numbers in front of you, but this was a, a really yeah. big hit. Like, I, th- I think it was the, uh, broke the record for like an R rated movie. It came about 9 million shy. I think it was of uh, Deadpool for September or something like that. It, it like an R rated movie in September. It, I think it's number two and Deadpool's number one. Oh, so that's just in general. Cause I think De- Deadpool, I think was in February. So. Um, I mean, that, in September, um, <laughs> not to uh, not like I'm asking for gifts from our lif- listeners here, but my birthday's in September, and being a big movie guy, I always thought like, man, there's just nothing but crap come around for my birthday. <laughs> As a kid, like no good movies other than Columbiana, which is a classic. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking reverence, yeah, I, the, no one will get that. So I'll just play a random clip of Columbiana just to annoy our listeners here to be like, and they still won't get why <laughs> me and Jared love it. So. Yeah. And here, you must expect the unexpected. She's like mist under a door, like a mouse on the wall. She will never attack straight on, and you will not see her until it's too late. She's that invisible. Yeah, this one I, I think it's uh, it's probably going to have some impact on the industry as far as like you can release a movie whenever and it becomes mm-hmm. like an event movie because this came out September eighth, so it's after Labor Day and mm-hmm. usually that's the dregs before you start getting to Oscar season. And uh, I think Josh, you may know this. I think the sequel is going to do the same thing, right? I think it's going to be. Like I think a year so. From now. It'll be like two yeah. years removed, <clears throat> I, and it probably worked in their favor too. Uh, uh, Halloween movie season, you know, so definitely provided some uh, a good option for people who wanted to get a good scary movie in around that time. 
I don't have much of a transition to uh, <laughs> memoir of a murderer here, other than the fact that I, uh, not to steal Jared's shtick here, because I, I don't really know what it did in the U.S., uh, this actually was like some sort of record setter in uh, South Korea. It's a South Korean <laughs> mm-hmm. film. Uh, so it's a big box office hit in its uh, native country. And um, like our listeners will know at this <clears> point, <throat> I uh, I didn't know anything about it. I was like, oh, apparently it's a murderer. I've never heard of it. Came out on the same day as it. We'll see what it's about. <laughs> and it's on Netflix, so it's not going to cost us anything. Jared's not going to have a heart attack trying to find a torrent of it. So <laughs> Jesus Christ. Still have nightmares of that. <clears throat> So uh, I'm assuming the two of you um, knew less about this than it, if anything at all, other than I, <laughs> I was not aware of the uh, yeah the myth and the uh, backstory on Memoirs of a Murderer. <laughs> also That's based a on a book, assumption. apparently, uh-huh. uh, you know, successful, I guess, popular bit of fiction uh, in South Korea, and uh, I hated that it was uh, going to be foreign language because it meant you know I actually had to to pay attention to the screen. So if I started to drift and get bored, I was going to miss actual dialogue. And my wife can attest, I would pause and rewind. She's like, what's going on over there? Why are you like, is it that good? I'm like, no, no, I'm just sort of (laughs) (laughs) drifting. I will say though, I'd say for about the first half hour, I thought this movie ruled. I thought this movie was awesome because it is about, as the title says, a murderer and it's him in retirement. It is him. Mm -hmm. Like, raising you know, his daughter who is now kind of raising him as a uh, dementia set in Alzheimer's and uh, he's going through his daily routine of, I guess not <laughs> killing people wanting to kill people, but not resisting the urge yes, <laughs> and attending a poetry class for beginners, I guess like something you would go to like a local library and it's like adults who decide to, you know, uh, get their arts and crafts on a little bit and become a little <laughs> bit more intelligent uh, when it comes to the written word. And uh, he hates every minute of it. And I, I was reading this as a comedy. I was like, this is fantastic. This guy is <laughs> 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 talking about how how stupid everyone is that surrounds him, how much he wishes he could kill him, but he can't because, you know, <laughs> he's retired. <laughs> he's not getting paid for that anymore. Another movie curmudgeon that you fell yeah. in love with. Yeah, I felt like, uh, <laughs> you know, if they were going to do a remake of this, you know, this would have been right up like old man Jack Nicholson's alley. Like I would like to seem like, you know, the about Schmidt version of him as like a <laughs> retired serial killer. Uh, and so, Jared, you, you mentioned in it, there's not like a huge – you know, connect the dots like, you know, who is this clown related to? You know, it's, this is some sort of family curse or something. Uh, unfortunately, here it does turn into like this, I guess, cat and mouse type thing with a new serial killer. And uh, I think it goes on for about a half hour too long. Um, yes, it does. It, there were about four different endings. Yeah, it's got the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings thing where I was like, all right, yeah, that's time. That's another one in the books for sober cinema. And I'm like, nope, I got about 45 more minutes here. So I wonder <laughs> yeah. what's going to happen. Um, I'll just, I'll put my opinion out there. I don't think it's terrible by any uh, means, but with our premise of, <laughs> you know, saying, hey, this should have gotten more of a spotlight, more of a shine than it, I'm going to be hard pressed to bend over hard backwards. Sell, huh? And yeah, find that. But, <laughs> you know, some people, I could see some people digging it. It, uh, sort of dark comedy way. I don't know if I can take it too seriously though. Cause it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So I, uh, I think I largely agree pretty much with how you summed that up. Uh, I was not 
I don't think I was watching the same movie you was that first 30 minutes. Funny, I don't funny, think... huh? <laughs> no, I mean, that was a <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think I assumed it was going to go somewhere, uh, somewhere different. So I wasn't quite reading it that way. Maybe that's my but, problem uh, too. I assumed it was just going to get even more hilarious. And when it didn't, I turned on the movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe this isn't funny at all. Right. Uh, <laughs> I very quickly, like in broad strokes, I would say there are there are interesting things going on here. But um, pretty much the thing I surmised pretty early on and when I read up some other reviews afterwards, I, I, I found that people had said the exact same thing. It was like, oh, this is uh, Memento meets uh, uh, what's the <sighs> I've lost it. It's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, I don't even know what the other one is, but I did uh, compare it. Dexter. Very... Dexter. Okay. TV show. Dexter. Well, yeah. at some certain seasons, it may compare favorably to Dexter, but I did think of Memento a lot, and I'm like, wow, that was a that was a way of being clever without uh, feeling, I guess, mean spirited uh, in a way. And there were times where I was just like, all right, I like, are we really going to have like another younger serial killer like picking on this Alzheimer's riddled? As I said, other killer, so maybe he deserves it. I don't know, but uh, that started to feel a little too convenient. Whereas Memento felt like a, you know, a puzzle that like a master had put together, and it was fun to see like the next revelation. Uh, this I didn't find it fun. I just found it like oh, they kind of wrote themselves into a corner. So um, <laughs> the old Alzheimer's kicks in for this you know Dexter killer. Like just when he's about to get one up on the other guy. He forgets who he is for a moment, and yeah, yeah it kind of gets old. It, it it was a little bit too much of a convenience of any time he was about to do anything uh, meaningful. To <laughs> that his, would end the movie. Plot. <laughs> yeah, uh, the twitch would begin. You know, that eye would start uh, twitching. You're like, uh, here comes the see, memory that's loss. Where I wonder if it's a dark comedy because I'm like, does this is this accurate that someone just like gets like a shaky eye and then it's like he hulks? I guess de hulks into like a normal yeah. frail old man. Well, that was another another issue I had with the movie. I was like, I mean, I don't expect every movie I watch to be uh, scientifically accurate, but they could have just said dementia and and been like, oh, you know, we don't fully understand his form of it. But when you call it Alzheimer's, I'm like, I don't think you get Alzheimer's from a car accident, and I don't think you like, as you say, like superpower wise, like <laughs> you get a twitch, like, oh, now I'm in forgetful mode. Much uh, like uh, the nasty Hellcat, he uh, you know he goes through an apple crushing regiment of strength, strength exercises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he loses it when he gets the twitch. He no longer can crush men's skulls and uh, and apples. But uh, Jared, you're a Colombiana fan. Uh, I have to assume you're with me for at least thirty forty <laughs> minutes of chuckling at this nonsense. I had a really good time with it. I knew the, it. Like I you knew said, it. the uh, the first little bit of this movie, and then it just gets really, really sad, in my opinion, because, uh, you know, I don't really know that much about dementia, but, like, it it seems to come, like, unraveled and it's just, you know, disjointed at the, you know, the last half of the movie. It's like, I get what you're going for, but this isn't fun, and it's not really, like, a great watch, so... Like if trying to point out the importance of dementia through film, I suppose that's I, I you know I get it. <laughs> it's not fun. I get it, but it's weird to attach that to a uh, sort of B grade serial killer genre movie, though. Yeah, like of all the of all the ways to attach dementia to a movie, like okay, I, you know it's a unique angle, but 
do you think that this is supposed you know maybe the best way of going about <laughs> addressing you, dementia like I, well i'm sorry I don't, I don't mean to cut you off but there is an interesting premise there in terms of like you know let's say somebody is a guilt-ridden like in their older golden age they're like uh you know what i have uh killed a lot of people and i actually feel quite bad about that <laughs> just your There's, average old man you know yeah. what i did i uh, killed a ton of people uh it would be interesting to see them having the conflict of like okay this is a situation where alzheimer's or dementia is almost good it's alleviating them of the guilt and they even you know they hit upon that a little bit in this movie but i mean that's a premise i would have liked to have seen explored more maybe in a more dramatic movie yeah, they go kind of like a slightly askew of that. Instead, it's like he wants to write down all the terrible things he did. I don't think it's out of pride, but it's like he like needs to remember who he is because he's afraid right. that he's afraid if he doesn't that I, I'm guessing the threat here is that he has a grown daughter and he's afraid that you know something will happen to her if he doesn't constantly remember who she is in his life. He's going right. to he's going to do some physical harm to her. He may kill her. Um. But yeah, then they introduced the other... I, I think I just didn't want the other serial killer involved. I think I would just rather... I don't mm. think I want this to be like a, a duel between two you know hideous men. I think, Josh, what you're saying, where it's a guy who's afraid of what he's capable of. Uh, mm -hmm. And you know he, he sort of introduces himself saying that he only targeted like, you know, uh, domestic abusers or a woman who like beats her uh, was it cat or dog to death like just animal cruelty no, I, no, it wasn't really so much that the cat swallowed her diamond ring and she brought it to him a vet and asked him to get it out of her so I, thought, I, I didn't think I thought she had beat it to death because I, I don't because <laughs> she did ask him to uh, to cut it cut out it of out. The, so I don't oh, maybe maybe that's the case maybe that's what I meant because I was like wouldn't you want a doctor to cut out that your cat swallowed that it shouldn't have swallowed. So I mean, there's maybe, the old-fashioned way. The reason. Maybe she had already killed it. Put on some gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're not going to get choke slammed <laughs> by memoir of a murderer here in the vet's office. I did but also that, like, as much and as, as an animal lover, it killed me, but uh, Darkly Comic, when he's like, yeah, things ain't too bad. You know, I got the old muscle memory. You know, I can still like, you know, choke someone out and I can still, uh, you know, heal any animal that needs my aid. And it shows him injecting a cat. And then he's like, wait a minute. I already did that. And then you see a woman weeping over a cat. I'm telling you, Josh, I thought this was a comedy for the first 30 no, minutes. No, I'll agree. And I think some of that is, I'll often say it's lost in translation because I'm like, I'm not somebody who watches a lot of, uh, Korean cinema. I mean, I've seen a couple movies. They're pretty but twisted, I don't know enough. normally. And this is this will yeah. probably be tame compared to what some of the other I ones are yeah, that are popular I think here. So, but I, I I do think that in their way that there is probably intentional comedic moments peppered out throughout this movie. I, I don't think again it was intended to be the comedy you was making it out to be, but uh, very much so moments that were you know made you laugh. So. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that one was intended effect or not either, but I, I, I definitely see the, the twisted comedy in that. Uh, I did see some slight criticism of this new it sort of coming on the, the heels of stranger things, uh, updating the, the setting to being 1989, which, uh, as we said earlier, kind of puts it in the time frame of when the first film version came out, the miniseries, yeah. uh, as opposed to in the book and in that series, it's set in the sixties, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't have an issue with that just because I feel like, uh, unfortunately, uh, for, I guess, us old guys, uh, which were not quite that old, but at this point, they are making nostalgic movies for us. 
for our, yeah. our childhood, like the 80s at this point. Like, I, uh, there's a, a Twitter follower that I've pointed you all to uh, numerous times that uh, I believe his, his account is locked and private now, Lex G. Who is hilarious and a complete and total uh, pervert? So I just I appreciate his antics on on Twitter, film Twitter in particular. But he would often do this thing where he would just randomly tweet out like, um, you know, Pulp Fiction is as old uh, as Taxi Driver was. Like when I first got into movies, oh. now like you're just kind of making those, and it's like, huh, yeah, that's uh, wow, that's kind of putting things into context. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing I, I heard was uh, like you know because of the updated time setting you have some slight gags and I think it just comes up a few times of like uh, the the sort of nerdy the new kid uh, being into oh, new kids yeah. on the block uh, did that bother either one of you all having those slight moments of levity I actually loved that joke I, I cracked up especially like when they revealed the poster behind his door <laughs> that, which is that. kind of treated like it appears like it's a little shock moment where it's <laughs> yeah. like his eyes go wide <laughs> and then it's over it didn't bother me I thought it was alright the one thing I couldn't shake though and that was maybe from watching the other miniseries like even set in 1989 did it not feel like it was in the 1960s to you guys even just a little bit I wonder uh, if it's going to feel that way just because of how different our world is now as far mm. as with technology. Because I don't feel like, and I'm aging all three of us, but we did have the internet uh, in our youth. But that was go home, <laughs> dial-up connection, desktop computer. There was still mm. a lot of just hanging out, just like outside, and just kind mm-hmm. of just killing time by just getting into nonsense. Yeah. And, and also just... But going along with that, and I would say it was common for kids to you know get on their box and, and ride down the street and play with their friends or go get into this. And I doubt there's a whole lot of that that happens anymore. And <laughs> and these I will say, you know, uh, in our new place, um, my wife has commented how much she kind of likes it. Even though we we have like a group of like neighborhood kids that are always on their bikes, like just uh-huh. kind of like this. And if you're just trying to like pull in the driveway driveway real quick, it can be kind of annoying. But you do have to remind yourself, like, and this is probably a dying breed. Like, I don't see a cell phone yeah. on a single one of them. Like, they're just right. they're just going door door, seeing like what you know if their buddy wants to get into something. Uh, and uh, I, I think that Jared, you do have a point there because it does add to maybe sort of a timelessness to it, even though it is mm. updated. Um, I do wonder, you know, if they remake, which they probably will, they'll remake everything, even this version of it, twenty-seven years from now. Uh, so is that in our sixties? <laughs> yeah, we'll still be doing this, of course. You know, we'll be, <laughs> we'll be Mark Maron will be dead, and we will reign supreme on the podcast. <laughs> we almost got Kevin Smith, so <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're well on our way, boys. <laughs> oh my! my. Look, oh, my. man, I feel like we've been off for a little while. Uh, Nasty Hellcat is not in fighting shape just yet, so uh, someone had to say something <laughs> offensive or insulting. Well, in case anybody was wondering, we, we had to take a an absence because Jared was beginning his transition into the clown life. Uh, he embraced the baldness, having to get the he makeup like, tattooed his on his face. <laughs> More complex than you guys uh, even have any idea. Uh, I, I like clowning I like your, life, as Jared says. I like Jared's approach to that. You know, he didn't cuss you. He didn't turn the joke <laughs> back at you. He just actually put you in your place, saying that you are not worldly enough to know what the process <laughs> is to become a juggalo. About. <laughs> um, you yeah. yourself what a juggalo is. Well, Jared, when I look for the music, I'm sure I'll stumble on some clips and I'll drop them in right now with your brethren. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> so we'll we'll get to our uh you know get to our stats and our our decision, which I think I think this one's gonna be an easy one. Uh, but Jared, what so what were the uh, the final uh, gross numbers for both, and also uh, the Rotten Tomato score? All right, um, I'll go with it first since that's what we did chronologically. Eighty five percent from the critics, eighty four percent from the audience, so that was pretty close. And it made seven hundred and seven hundred point four million dollars on a thirty five million dollar budget. Damn! Wow! Yeah, print money. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess we could, you know, that would be adding more work to you. But I would have to say that um, would be one of the top uh, as far as profits, grocers. Yeah, you know, maybe on investment sure. has to be up there. Yeah, I'm sure it didn't compete with you know the Marvel movies, but as far as the budget goes, uh, yeah, that uh, fairly, very relatively, fairly cheap. Oh, what about the uh, the other film? Well, there's uh, not as much information available on Memoirs of a Murderer. We had one critic review, which was positive on <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. 100%, baby. 100%. <laughs> TKO on it. <laughs> and, <laughs> Goes uh, down. 71% of the audience liked it, which I don't know what the raw numbers were on how many reviews that is. but That sounds higher than what I would have anticipated for this. but Because I would, I, like I sort of alluded to with Josh earlier in our discussion, <laughs> for this being like... A South Korean film. Um, I, I feel like Korean cinema, the ones that break out here become sort of cult hits in the mm-hmm. U.S. are like insanely violent, like over the top. And this one oh, is yeah. a little bit. I mean, More subdued, quite a bit understated. Actually, in that very, regard. very tame. Yeah, I, it's tamer than a lot of American-made movies. Uh, you know? So I, I, I thought that those, the fans of those type of films, may think this one's. <laughs> sort of a drag or it's like for the CBS Sunday morning crowd of Korean cinema. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so that, that surprises me. Um, I, and on it, I actually was surprised the critics uh, took to it as much as they did. Like, I, I feel like it would get favorable reviews, you, you, but uh, yeah, it, you don't our, see horror movies get that kind of, no, those kind of numbers. No. Uh, but I, I think uh, as usual, you know, the Americans get it right and better. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! I like that. I'm not making fun of coming... people with dementia here. We have some, a little bit of class. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just grown ass clowns chasing kids through sewers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lifestyle that Jared, you have taught us to respect, and I will do the appropriate Again, research. It takes a lot of time and prep. <laughs> oh, this episode is brought to you by Fago. So, <laughs> um, I think, uh, Josh, you're, you're not going to throw me a curveball here. You're, you're more of a Stephen King fan than I think either me and Jared. So I can't imagine you're going to go with the forgotten film on this one. No, no. Uh, it ranked very highly for me. I mean, that's, it is a fan favorite of mine regardless. And I thought this was a, a really great ad- adaptation of it. Um, memoirs of a murder, a murderer, uh, it's not all bad. I'm mean, it's I mean, I would say it's a solid film. It's just uh it uh, it kind of cheeses out with the uh using the the memory loss as an easy way of just trying to trick you all the time. I enjoy the trying to figure it out process. I like to be, you know, tricked watching I, I enjoyed that he, you know, he's very much an unreliable narrator where he's, you know, at different times you you were meant to question, like, wait a minute, is he just imagining this other serial killer? Is he the one actually doing these killings? But it's also a two-hour movie. And so yeah. there's only so many questions you really have, and it's the, the mystery is not that deep to, uh, I think, extend the runtime to that length. 
Well, and I think I read where there was an alternate ending. I don't know if it's on like the DVD or something, oh, but like uh, <laughs> it was when he like. Um, Jared, have you read this or are you just scoffing at no, the idea I'm, of I'm alternate endings? Like, again, it's like like Josh referenced, like hey, we got half a dozen actual friggin' endings. Like, oh, you don't yeah. have the uh, behind the scenes ending. Like, ah, who gives a shit? Yeah, I think the the well, there it well, is. I say, the, uh, it took the, the, thirty five minutes, but there he has returned. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that to Josh. Like, I actually no, know I know you, you mean, Josh, but I mean, like from the studios, like man, fucking make up your Mine. Who, yeah. Does the whole fucking staff have dementia? <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> At sober um, cinema <laughs> on social media. <laughs> Josh, give us the alternate ending to this episode. The, uh, the, the respectful one of the art form of cinema. Oh, <laughs> uh, this! I think this ending would have infuriated everyone, though. Uh, it was. Uh, he gets out of the prison at the end, like in the normal ending, and he sees the locket of the picture of the dude and the other killer and says, never trust your memory. And it turns out that, no, he did not kill that guy. And yes, he had been the murderer all along. And uh, <laughs> the ending was him killing his daughter and the other killer after he got who, out. Who was just a normal cop that like married yeah. her? Yeah, yeah. And it just would have been too much of like, well, everything I watched didn't exist then. You know, it just would have been. Uh... I think if they wanted to do that, um, one issue I had with the movie, I keep harping on the runtime, but I kept thinking, uh, if you want me to believe uh, that maybe this is all in his head, uh, stop cutting away to the cop having scenes without him being present, like him talking to the daughter. I, I felt like that that relieved a lot of the tension right there off the top. Um, also the, the other killer has this weird head wound where he can take off half his head, just like a robot. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the moments I had to rewind. And my wife was like, is it good over there? I was like, no, no, it is not. It are not. I think I missed something important. (laughs) (laughs) This dude just took off part of his head. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, there's this. The dude is always, he's always got that villain smirk about him. Like every time they show him, like just standing there beside his car, he's like, yeah, I'm getting away I mean, with it, it. It did explain his uh, douchey Bieber haircut when it's like covering up like half of his missing head, which they never <laughs> reference again. I mean, he basically just says, my mom hit me with a tire iron. And I'm like, I, still. <laughs> no, 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 not a tire iron, just an iron. Which was why I took an exceptional <laughs> chuckles that immediately after that. Oh, an iron comes in. Dementia dad takes up. He grabs a weapon and it turns up being iron. You know that dude's thinking like, really again? Like, I mean, let's see. Only if they had played it up. If he had actually yeah. said that yeah. in the fight scene. <laughs> yeah. Chekhov's gun, I guess. There, where it's like, oh, here comes the iron moment. <laughs> that one vulnerable spot. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> uh, Korean cinema, I guess. Oh. I, I don't know. Oh. Uh, I'll just stick with the, the stuff that makes sense. Like, you know, <laughs> Pennywise, the spider clown. <laughs> just gonna, yeah. Okay. I get it. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, so uh, thanks for joining us for another episode. Um, I don't know what we're doing next. Um, we'll probably do a romantic comedy or something <laughs> like something that, uh, you know, like what Josh thinks it is, is just something <laughs> light <Yeah>. and sexy. <laughs> 
Without your boat. 